we have been, uh, since the first of the year, doing a, a series of lessons presenting Jesus as the master teacher. And we've seen, as we've gone through this series of lessons, Jesus teaching and preaching in, in, in a number of different circumstances. And sometimes we've seen him actually teaching without doing what we would normally think of as teaching. You know, he's teaching lessons to people in ways that didn't involve you know, standing up and talking to them in, a, in, the, in the way that we would normally think about a religious teacher teaching. This morning we're going to look at an, uh, a specific instance where Jesus taught one individual, and specifically an individual who was himself a teacher, who came to Jesus in order to be taught, and recognized that Jesus could teach him things, even though he himself was a teacher, that he didn't already know. And we're going to find this, if you want to turn there in your, in your Bibles, to John chapter 3. We'll, we'll have the verses up on the, on the screen, but uh, if you want to have your, your Bible or your, your device in front of you, we're going to be looking at the first half of John chapter 3. And we're going to meet a man named Nicodemus. And this is how John introduces us to Nicodemus. He says, now there was a Pharisee. A man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. So before we get into the rest of the, the account, let's just take a look at what we know about Nicodemus. First of all, John tells us Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And we've talked about the Pharisees before. The Pharisees were one of the three primary uh, religious groups among the Jews at the time that Jesus was in his uh, active uh, earthly ministry. And in fact, they were, the, they were one of the two groups that were considered the leaders in religious thought and teaching among the Jews at that time. If we were going to rank them on the scale of how we normally look at things in our modern political sense, the Pharisees were the conservative party among the Jews. They held to a very strict and very legalistic view of what they understood to be the law of Moses as delivered in the scriptures by God. They were very strict about their practice of the things that the law of Moses and the various teachings that the, that the rabbis had uh, grown up around the law of Moses, they were very strict in their practicing of the things that they taught. This is as opposed to the what we might think of as the liberal party, who are the, the Sadducees, who took a very different view, very different, very what we might think of as non-legalistic view of the scriptures and who varied in a lot of ways from the practice and the thought of the Pharisees. The Sadducees primarily ruled the temple. The Sadducees mostly were the 
the, the leaders of the priesthood at that time. The high priest who was sitting during the time of Jesus' active ministry was a Sadducee. And those who worked along with him in the, in the, in the oversight of the temple were also Sadducees. The Pharisees, on the other hand, ran the political machine. They were the, the civil leaders for the most part. And that's why we see that Nicodemus was not only a Pharisee, but a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was one of the political leaders as well as one who would have been looked at as a religious leader. One of the other things that John tells us is that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now he doesn't explain that other than to tell us that it's true, but the interesting thing is every time John mentions Nicodemus, and he'll mention him a couple of other times in the gospel, he comes back to that point. He always comes back and introduces Nicodemus as the one who came to Jesus at night. So the fact that he mentions that every time he brings up Nicodemus, there must be some significance to it, must be some importance to it. And we can only guess that perhaps the reason that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night was in order that he could meet with him privately without having his fellow Pharisees his fellow members of the ruling council see that he was going to talk to Jesus, which of course they would, would, would not have approved of. Maybe he had other reasons, we don't know, but that certainly is one that, that fits the, the, the circumstances as we can see them. But the other thing that we also see about Nicodemus in the couple of verses where John has introduced him is that he was one who believed that Jesus came from God. He comes to, to Jesus and addresses him as Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. Now, what that meant to Nicodemus, we can, we can only guess, but let's take him at his word. He believed that Jesus was sent by God. He believed that the miracles that Jesus performed, because he references those, were performed because Jesus had power from God to perform those miracles. And on the basis of that, Nicodemus believed that Jesus was one sent by God. He, he probably didn't yet believe that Jesus was the Son of God, didn't yet believe that Jesus was the Messiah, maybe understood that Jesus was a prophet, but whatever else he did understand, he believed that Jesus came from God, and for that reason, he wanted to talk to Jesus and learn from him. Because he believed that Jesus knew things about God that perhaps he and his fellow Pharisees did not know. Now, if we read on in John's Gospel, we'll see Nicodemus pop up a couple of other times, in John chapter 7, when the Pharisees are plotting against Jesus, Nicodemus is the one who speaks up and says, how can we condemn a man without listening to him and hearing what he has to say and considering his words? Nicodemus, having already spoken to Jesus and listened to him and having been taught by him, understood the fact that the things that his fellow Pharisees were accusing Jesus of not only were not true, but could not be supported 
if they would just listen to Jesus and consider his words. Because Nicodemus understood that the words that Jesus was speaking were words that he had been given by God. And at the very end of John's Gospel, we find that Nicodemus, along with Joseph of Arimathea, would be one of the two individuals who prepared the body of Jesus for burial after Jesus was crucified. So that's who Nicodemus is. Now we're going to see what comes out of this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. The very first thing that Jesus says to Nicodemus is, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now those are words that have become really familiar to us in our, in our modern religious discourse. But understand that Nicodemus had never heard anything like this before. And so he's got to puzzle out in his mind, well, what does Jesus mean by that? And in fact, Jesus, as we're going to see as we go through the account, is going to say this again using some different phrasing the, the second time that he uses it. But notice the emphasis that Jesus uses in this particular mention. He says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That word see the kingdom of God is a significant one because Jesus doesn't just say no one can know about the kingdom of God unless they're born again. He says no one can see the kingdom of God. And in order to be able to truly see something you have to be in a position to experience it. I've seen pictures of many places in the world. But I can't say that I've seen those places because I've not been there. You know, I've seen pictures of Rio de Janeiro. But I can't say I've seen Rio. I've only seen pictures. I know it exists because of the pictures. But I can't know it from personal experience. I can't say I've seen it and experienced it. On the other hand, there are places in the world that I have seen. And I can know that those places are real because I've seen them with my own two eyes. I lived in Greece for two years. So I know Greece exists. I've seen it. I lived in the Philippines for two years. I know the Philippines exist. At least I know the island of Luzon exists because that's where we lived. Because uh, I've seen it. I've traveled to Places like Australia and New Zealand. I know those places exist because I've seen them. So Jesus wanted Nicodemus to understand the kingdom of God was something that not only needed to be understood about, but that needed to be experienced. And it was possible to experience the kingdom of God. But something would have to happen before one could have that experience where they could say, I know the kingdom of God exists because I've seen it. And that something is to be born again. Now again, those, that's a phrase that we've heard a lot in our religious discourse. But this is a whole new concept to Nicodemus. And he responds with what seems like a pretty valid question given where he's at. He says, how can someone be born 
when they're old. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now understand, Nicodemus is not trying to be funny. You know, he's not mocking what Jesus says. He's trying to get his head around it. Jesus says, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, if you want to know for yourself, from your own experience, that the kingdom of God is real, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, I'm an adult man. How's that going to happen? How can I be born again? I, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me, Jesus. And again, coming from where Nicodemus is coming from, that's a perfectly legitimate question. How can that be? And so Jesus answers him. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now notice that here's the second time that Jesus makes this point about the kingdom of God, but notice he uses a different word this time. No one can enter the kingdom of God. And that's why I put the emphasis in the previous verse on that word see. So we understand that when Jesus said no one can see the kingdom of God, he's not just talking about seeing it like we would see a picture of something in a faraway place that we've not personally experienced. Jesus equates the idea of seeing the kingdom of God with entering the kingdom of God. We put those things together and we understand that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God being something that we can personally experience. That we can see and know and enter just like we see this building because we've entered it today. You know, we didn't just see a picture of this complex on a website. We have seen this place and we have entered this building. We know this is real because here we are. And Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand the kingdom of God is like that. It's not just a thing you'll hear about. It's a thing you can know because you have seen and entered it. But in order for that to happen, Jesus says, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. Now he explains a little bit more what that born again means. It doesn't mean one entering again into one's mother's womb, as Nicodemus was trying to get, but that it talk, it's a birth of water and Spirit. And then Jesus goes on to explain. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand that the birth he's talking about is not a physical birth. It's not like a baby being born into the world from the body of its mother. It's a birth that involves a spiritual happening, a spiritual change. And he likens that to the wind. You, see, you don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind and you hear the wind, 
but you don't see the wind itself. And this birth of the Spirit that I'm talking about, Jesus is saying, is like that. Audrey agreed to help me with this. Audrey, would you stand up for a moment just for, for a bit, please? Audrey was the most recent person in this room, so far as I can remember, who's undergone this new birth. How many of us saw Audrey before she was baptized? Raise your hands. If you saw Audrey before she was baptized. Now, take a look at Audrey. Does she look any different to you than before? Now, she might have grown an inch or so because she's at that age. But she looks the same. She's still the same Audrey, yes? Thank you, Audrey. You can sit down. That's the point that Jesus was trying to get across to Nicodemus. The birth that he's talking about is not a birth that you're going to be able to look at somebody and see. It's a spiritual birth. Audrey doesn't look any different than the day before she was baptized. But Audrey has been born again of water and spirit. She is fundamentally different. As John pointed out to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, she is a new creature, a new creation. She is fundamentally different spiritually than she was before she was baptized. She still looks like Audrey to us. She doesn't look like there's been a change. But there has been a fundamental change. And now, because of that change, Audrey can see the kingdom of God. Why? Because she's entered the kingdom of God. She is part of that kingdom now. And that's what Jesus wanted to share with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, this is something that can happen for you. The kingdom of God can be something that you don't just hear about. It can be something that can be as real for you as any room that you enter, that you see with your eyes. But in order for that to happen, there's going to have to be a new birth that you undergo. And it's a birth of water and the Spirit. And because it's a birth that involves the Spirit, nobody's going to be able to look at you and tell that it's happened. Why is Jesus making that point to Nicodemus? What was the first thing that we learned about Nicodemus? He was who? A Pharisee. And the Pharisees, as we've talked about before, were people that believed that one's religion was outward. Your religion was judged by the Pharisees on the basis of what they could see about you. You remember that when we studied earlier in this series, Jesus' lesson in Matthew chapter 23, where he talked about the Pharisees liking to wear the long prayer shawls and wearing the, the large phylacteries on their heads and on their hands. Why did they do that? Because you could look at them and say, that's a religious guy right there. Because he's got all of the religious stuff on. That was the perspective from which Nicodemus came as a Pharisee. Religion, faith, your relationship with God was something that was visible. It was tangible. It was about physical things, physical properties. And Jesus is saying... To really get into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to understand it's not about that. It's not about physical things. 
It's not about things you can see. But rather, it requires a change that's brought about by a rebirth in water and of the Spirit. One that you're not going to be able to see the physical effects of, but that will change you fundamentally from a spiritual perspective. And of course, Nicodemus doesn't get it. <laughs> Jesus, how can this be? He says. He doesn't understand. And let's not get down on Nicodemus for that. Again, we're familiar with the concept because we've heard it before. Nicodemus is getting this for the first time. And so he's still trying to get his head around it. Again, it's not that he doesn't believe Jesus. He's gone to all the trouble to come to Jesus and ask to be taught. He's sincere in wanting to know, but this is a big ask. You know, to, to understand these things that are so different from his fundamental understanding of how God works. And so he asked Jesus, well, how, how can this be? And Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? In other words, how are you going to teach others, Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, as one who puts himself in a position of teaching others how to live by Moses' law, if you don't really understand what it's all about? If you don't really get it yet? Truly, I tell you, we speak, and of course he's using the royal we here, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen, and still you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus says, I'm speaking to you of things I know, because they're things I've seen, and things I have experienced. I'm speaking to you of the Spirit because I have seen and known the Spirit, Jesus is saying. I can testify to you about what the Spirit is and about what its power is and what it can do because I've seen that. He says, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things. And this was the place where the Pharisees, for the most part, failed. This is where they stumbled. They understood the law from their perception of the law of Moses. Their perception of the law is it's all about physical things. It's all about things we can see. It's all about things we can put our hands on. That we can see with our eyes. We can hear with our ears. And Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus, you're going to have to get past that. I can talk about these things because I understand things from a spiritual perspective. You're going to have to get on board with that. And yet, he says, that's where your struggle is. You can't believe when I speak to you about heavenly things. 
because you can't even believe when I talk to you about earthly things. And again, he's not indicting Nicodemus personally. He's talking about you in the sense of you and your Pharisee group. This is the challenge that you're going to have. The Pharisees firmly believed in speaking of what they knew. But they only knew what they could see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and touch with their hands. Jesus is saying, I speak of what I know, but what I know is things you can't see with your eyes, or hear with your ears, or touch with your hands. And you're just going to have to accept that. Because you aren't coming from where I've come from, and therefore you can only understand those things through my testimony. And you're going to have to be willing to do that. Because, he says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. If you want to know about heaven, Nicodemus, you're going to have to understand it from the testimony of one who's been there. And I'm the one who's been there. You know, it's always interesting to me. You know, when, when people gravitate towards teachers of various kinds who want to tell them, I know all about it. Here, 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 here's the whole story. And it's like, well, but you haven't been there. How do you know? All any of us know about spiritual things is what God has revealed to us in his word. Because we haven't seen those things. We haven't been there to know those things in the way that Jesus knows them. And therefore we have to accept his testimony on the, about those things. We know about heaven not because we've been there, but because one who had been there told us about it. And we believe him. And here's your connection to that, Jesus says. That just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. If you don't remember that story, there's an incident in the book of Exodus where the, the people in the midst of their rebellion against God were assaulted by snakes. You know, this is something that happened to them more than once during the course of their years of rebellion against God. That things happened to them that were unpleasant as a result of their rebellion against God. And yet God instructed Moses to make a snake out of brass and put it up on a pole. And that everyone who looked at that snake on the pole, if they were bitten by a snake, would be fine. But they had to trust in God enough to look at the snake on the pole. And Jesus is likening that snake on the pole to himself. 
He's saying, just like that snake was lifted up in the wilderness, I'm going to have to be lifted up. You're going to have to look at me. And everyone who believes can have eternal life in me. Just as those who looked at the snake survived the snake bite, those who look up to him who's lifted up on the cross will survive the sting of death. If they truly believe that it'll, that it'll work. Just as those who looked at the snake on the pole had to believe in order for it to be affected. And of course this little narrative here, this little lesson that Jesus gives to Nicodemus leads into one of the most familiar texts in all of scripture. Where John, the writer of this gospel, inserts this in the next paragraph. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now that statement, which most of us probably can quote from memory, or if we can't quote it verbatim, can get pretty close. Now that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it, when we look at it in the context of what Jesus just said to Nicodemus? Now we get why that's important. Because when John here says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, he's referencing the fact that Jesus has just offered himself as the connection between mortal life and spiritual life. And has acknowledged the fact that the only way to get from one to the other is through him. Through believing in him and looking to him and trusting in him as the hope of salvation. Just as those who were bitten by snakes in the wilderness had to trust that if I just look at that snake on a pole, I'm going to survive. That's the means that God has provided. So what did Nicodemus, the teacher, learn from Jesus, the master teacher? He learned that in order to experience the kingdom of God, and again, Jesus made it clear in order to see the kingdom of God, in order to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus that the kingdom of God was something to be experienced, not just to be heard about. It was something that could be seen and entered. That in order to experience the kingdom of God, one was going to have to be born again. One was going to have to undergo a fundamental change. And that that fundamental change involved a birth. A birth of water and the spirit. And as Audrey helped us to demonstrate, that new birth is not visually evident. 
Jesus wanted Nicodemus to get, us, get past his pharisaical view of a relationship with God that required everything to be seen physically. And to accept the fact that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you were going to have to undergo a change you couldn't see. That something was going to have to happen to you that would not be evident physically to anybody. But that would be fundamental to your being. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that you are going to become a new creation. And that has to happen in order for you to see and enter this kingdom which is not physical but is spiritual in nature. Amen. And Jesus could teach about these spiritual things, about heavenly things, because he'd come from heaven. Nicodemus came from a long tradition of rabbis over many centuries that sat down with people and said, yeah, I'll tell you everything about God. But all they knew was what they'd been taught. Jesus is saying, I'm not telling you what I've been taught. I'm telling you what I know. I've been there. I've seen it. From the very beginning, from before the beginning. And I am uniquely qualified, therefore, to tell you about it. Because I'm not reading it off a scroll. I'm telling you what I know from my own experience. And from that unique perspective, Nicodemus learned that Jesus had come into the world to be the source of eternal life to those who believe in him. And that word belief is a funny thing. Because if we really understand and pay attention to what Jesus teaches Nicodemus, we understand that believing is not just about what we make up our minds about in our heads. That believing involves doing what belief motivates us to do. Because Nicodemus believed that Jesus was from God, the minute he showed up. That's the first thing he says. Rabbi, I know that you're a teacher who's come from God. Nicodemus believed that already. But Jesus says, but here's something else you're going to need, Nicodemus. You're going to need to be born again of water and spirit. The fact that you've made up your mind about me is not enough. You're going to have to take action on what you believe. And he gives a very tangible example of that. He said, just like Moses in the wilderness with the snake. You know, you might have been one of those people that got snake bit. And you might have firmly believed that that snake that Moses stuck up on a pole could heal you. But if you didn't go look at it, you were never going to get better. The belief in your head by itself did not 
bring about the change you needed to get well. You had to take action. And Jesus wanted Nicodemus to understand that's the same thing about faith. It's not enough just to believe. You have to be willing to undergo that birth of water and spirit if you want to get into the kingdom that God has for you. Believe, yes. But belief is not just about what's up in here. Belief is about what you do with what's in here. Little lesson that a man received who came to Jesus at night. But powerful things for us to understand. Thanks be to God for most of us in this room. And we've undergone that new birth. That we've submitted to being buried in water and being raised to walk in what Paul calls newness of life. That is to say a life where our spirit has been fundamentally changed. But also to know that as a result of that new birth, we now have entered the kingdom of God. You know, it's weird to me that you hear people talking about the kingdom of God even yet today as something that's yet to be. You hear a lot of religious people talk about the kingdom of God as something that's coming. The kingdom of God is not coming, it's come. It's here. If you are baptized into Christ and have undergone that new birth, you are in it right this second. You see and have entered the kingdom of God. You're part of it. You're a citizen of that kingdom. And what's wonderful about that is that anybody can be. You know, it's not like a country where you have to be born there in order to be a citizen. Or your parents have to be born, born there to be a citizen. Anybody can be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Anyone who's willing to look at him who has been lifted up. And on the basis of the belief that he is the source of eternal life. To undergo that new birth of water and spirit. Anybody can come into that kingdom and see it for what it is. Be part of it. And know that it is a kingdom that exists not just for this moment, not just for this life, but a kingdom in which we will be citizens for eternity. Because that's what Jesus was lifted up to provide. As you go about your week this week, if you've been born again, give thanks for the fact that you have entered the kingdom of God. That you sit at the table of the Almighty. That you are an heir of Him who created the universe. And that He has given you an inheritance that is not physical stuff. But that is eternal life. And if you understand that as you should, and appreciate that as you should, 
that maybe that will motivate you to share the good news about that with somebody else who doesn't yet see that kingdom, who's not yet entered it, and use your story to help them see what Nicodemus had to come and see so that they too can be born again of water and spirit and join you in the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of eternal life.